Hey everyone, welcome to New Business. I'm your host, Jill Thomas, and this is a show about helping business owners create success faster and more easily than they thought possible. And I'm super excited. This week's guest is Teresa Ann Palmer, who is a holistic cardiology nurse, a nurse practitioner, an RN, and an author of the amazing book, Heal Your Heart From Within. She is a nurse who connects individuals to their hearts. Our heart is our superpower and our greatest ally against stress and anxiety. The heart connects directly to the vagus nerve, which is a state of inner peace and calm. And she's going to talk to us today about how to do that. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me today. I feel so excited. I feel like I have a celebrity. And actually, speaking of that, we need to talk about this for a second here. So you've got the unfortunate thing of having a... uh, the same name as a celebrity, which I discovered. Oh, yes. <laughs> I discovered when I tried to find your book. So I'm yes. like typing in your name and all this stuff about the discovery of witches comes up. And I'm like, oh yeah, that lady's name was Teresa Palmer too. It's a good book. It's a good movie, by the way. You should if you haven't seen it, it's really good. It's a series, but 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 it's not that Teresa Palmer. So welcome you, Teresa Palmer. Yes. That's why I used my middle name. And I then saw I saw that, yeah. That- yeah, then I found out that there was an Australian actress, Teresa Ann Palmer, that spelled it the same way. And unfortunately, some of what she was famous for was her nudity shots. And oh, that um, can only help your career, Teresa. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So I tried to look myself up. Guess what? I came up with her. She was all over the place. So of course she was. Oh well, you know there are worse problems in the world to have. Um, they're both Australian because the other Teresa Palmer is Australian as well. Uh, and she also did, she wrote a book on parenting or something. We, my point with mentioning this to anyone listening is that I am actually going to put the link to your book in the description, which I normally don't do. I usually just tell people to find it. But in your case, it's not as easy to find because the other Teresa Palmer has taken up all the, the bandwidth on Amazon. So we're going to put the link to your book in there so that they can find it. So that was my point with this long-winded explanation about the names. Love that. So I know we've talked off air that you're super passionate about using the heart in doing business and healing your life. What exactly does that mean to you? Because I don't think people understand if you mean the literal heart or the intuitive heart or all of that. Tell us about what you're talking about. It's, it's all intertwined. The intuitive heart, the physical heart. Uh, we're a body and soul. So I've spent over 30 years in cardiology. And what I found throughout my many years of practice is we only look at our heart if we think there's something wrong. And the heart is always viewed as something could go wrong. We look at things like heart failure, heart arrhythmias, heart attack, to name a few. Uh, We look at things like Uh, don't get stressed out. Stress isn't good for your heart. Stress will cause a heart attack. Okay, those things are true. But what it's done for people is to almost make them fear their heart, that the heart is really our life, because you can't live without a beating heart. You know, the heart pumps blood, oxygen, life to every cell, every organ in the body. So we've made it, we've taken that, And instead of looking at it as something beautiful and something to connect to and be aware of all the time, we've changed it into don't do this, don't do that, be careful of this, be careful of that, because you don't want to do something to harm your heart. And that's, I hate to say it, but basically that's how the healthcare and medical profession was built on cardiology. 
uh, I've had maybe one or two people actually come to see our cardiology practice that didn't think they had a heart problem. Everybody else. Go ahead. Everybody else was only there because this is the way we've been conditioned. You think you have a problem, now go get it fixed. And the truth of the matter is that our heart is our greatest ally because it connects to the inner peace of the vagus nerve. And it also is our intuition, our inner knowing. It's our inner being. It's really connects to our soul. In a lot of the traditions, it's said that your your soul resides in the right side of your heart. And that's why a lot of traditions tell you to look within for the answers. We all, it, it it's not religious. It doesn't matter whether you call it God, the universe, you, a tree, you could call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But it's that connection to something higher than ourselves. We are not the end point. There is something higher. And even if you look at Alcoholics Anonymous, if you look at, um, I guess, drug, Drugs Anonymous, they all talk about surrendering to a higher power, things that you can't control. So we know there's something higher than us. And that's something higher of us. We have a piece of that in our heart, in our soul. So if we ignore our heart, then technically we're ignoring ourselves. We're really ignoring that inner being. We're really ignoring the essence of who we are. And there's phrases like put your heart and soul into this, uh, your passion, your heartfelt passion. So we do use those terms. It's just that they've, they're coming to light more, but they've been overshadowed by there could be a problem with your heart. And it's interesting you bring that up because I do, and I'm wearing my heart sweatshirt, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I, you know, it is as somebody descendant of somebody in the family who's had some history of some heart issues. A lot of the women in my family end up getting heart stints uh, for one reason or another. We were conditioned to believe that the heart was kind of an issue, something that we should be afraid of. And I can see what you're talking about is almost in some ways creating an adversarial relationship with, with the heart when in reality, you know, maybe you should change your diet. <laughs> you know, maybe you should should adjust your lifestyle in a way that makes the holistic being more healthy. And I can see what you're talking about. Talk a little bit about the. Am I am I correct in saying we do kind of create an adversarial relationship with our heart? Talk about that. Yeah, we definitely do. We don't mean to, but again, it's the way we've been conditioned. You know, nobody says to you, wake up in the morning, place your hand on your heart and be grateful that your heart is beating. We don't, it's an automatic response. So just like breathing, you don't have to think about taking a breath. The only time you get concerned about your breathing is say you have asthma or lung problem and you can't breathe. It's the same thing with the heart. We don't pay attention to our heartbeat unless either our heart skips a beat, we feel that there's something wrong with it, or somebody has told us something. Like say you go for a physical exam and they say, oh, this little blip showed up on your EKG, which is an electrical tracing of the heart. Right away, we get concerned. Where in reality, if we connect, when we connect to our heartbeat, we're connecting to our life. And we don't make that connection. We kind of separate, even though our heart, without our heart, we can't live. 
and it's a very precious thing but we don't we don't give praise to our heart we look for something to be wrong with our heart so when we think about our heart we're looking for oh my gosh my heart skipped a beat maybe i have something wrong with my heart maybe even then just placing your hand on your heart taking a few deep breaths and being grateful that you have a heartbeat so we kind of take a different little spin on it and it's kind of i hate to say it but at least in the united states it's really what traditional medicine is all about is just treating symptoms yeah is it different really, do you see yeah. this issue with heart stuff differently in other countries or how, is it i've seen i've done some medical missions okay. in different parts of the world and what i've seen is people have a different attitude about what their health is in general people aren't always and I've found that we kind of, when somebody says, take charge of your health or be concerned about your health, we worry about it. We it's worry true. about Absolutely. it. From, is there something wrong with my cholesterol? Is there something wrong with my liver? Am I going to get cancer? Whereas in other countries, I've found that they just take a little different approach. You know, their approach is, is more, what can they do for themselves to help themselves. And of course, that may be diet, exercise, those things have been around forever. But a lot of it I found also has to do with how they perceive things and their thoughts and how they believe that their thoughts create their actions, which create their reality. So it's a much more personal awareness of how we can help ourselves. So I love what you're saying. So it's a, it's really the body mind connection, but you're saying it's really the mind heart connection. And that's something right. that's lacking. Body mind heart. It's all, you know, it's always mind, body, spirit. And you notice whatever you look at, it, it never says body, mind, spirit, or spirit, body, mind. It's always mind, body, spirit, that triad. And that's because the mind affects the body. If you're thinking that you're going to become ill, Yes, eventually you will become ill. The body affects the mind. If you're not feeling well, if something is out of balance in your body, it affects the way you could even think about things. You could go into a negative pattern of thinking, oh, this is never going to end. This is the way I'm always going to be and get yourself in that downward spiral. The body affects the spirit because our heart is our spirit. It's our inner being, our inner knowing. So it has a direct connection to whatever you see that spirit as, that higher connection. Now, the spirit affects the body. And there is research that's ongoing. And a, and a lot of even with metaphysics, there's this connection that what you do spiritually eventually affects your body. It doesn't happen overnight. But... If you have a lot of spiritual turmoil, and if you're constantly at odds with yourself, with trauma, eventually that settles. The cells have memories. And eventually that settles in the body. And once it gets into the body, it becomes an illness. So it's constantly mind, body, spirit. You can't have one without the other. All three of them have to work in collaboration with each other. So not to say that your ideas are radical, we know that they are not, but 
uh, I know that they are a little unusual considering the medical model, and you certainly do come from the medical, the more traditional medical world. How did you get this idea of, because you wrote a great book on this topic, how did you get the idea for the book? Where did your passion for this start? Because I know there must have been some point where you went, eh, we're doing this wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I started out in cardiac surgery, and I started out being very arrogant because the surgeon that I worked with told me that he and I, you know, the surgeon, the practitioner, we heal people. People come to us to be fixed. So my attitude in the hospital was people had something wrong with their heart. They needed either a bypass because their arteries were clogged or they needed a valve or they needed something electrical, an electrical adjustment with the heart. So I thought for sure, okay, you're coming in here because you have to be fixed. The surgeon's going to fix you. Once you get through with us, you're going to be all right. And it leaves you very arrogant. And I had the opportunity to go to uh, another country, to go to Romania, to do a medical mission to help set up a clinic. And I went in, I have to say, very arrogant. And what I found there were people that did things like praying, believe in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Radical. <laughs> and didn't always depend on medication or me to help them. They wanted to know what they could do to help themselves. And they had an attitude of gratitude. We were right next door to an orphanage, which had a school also. And every morning before a clinic, I saw all these children, about 60 of them, gather in the courtyard and they all held hands and they recited what I call the mantra. It was a song. Now, don't ask me to say it in Romanian because I don't know it, but it was very simple. I asked one of my translators one day in clinic to translate it. I said, every morning I see these kids, they sing this song, they put their hand on their heart and then they extend their arms out to welcome everybody else. And then they go to school. So what is this? And this person told me the easiest way to explain it to you is they're connecting to their heart. He said what the what this mantra or this song was was every soul every cell in my body is happy and they would repeat that three times every cell in my body is happy every cell in my body is happy because I am at peace with myself. And that's when they would place their hand on their heart gratitude for being at peace and then extending that peace out to all the other children in the courtyard. And I just thought it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And I watched the children because I also did some work, um, some crazy thing. I landed up as an art director in my spare time for the orphanage and not really knowing anything about art. Some of the children were artists and we made this gorgeous mural. It, it, uh, you know, on one of the floors of the orphanage. It was absolutely beautiful. And I saw how the children acted, how they were kind to each other, how they were grateful for the things they had. And believe me, they didn't have a lot. You know, I would sit there and think to myself, how could they be so happy when in my mind, they don't have all the things that I have back in the United States. Why aren't they struggling? Like, you know, why are they... I hate to say it, but like, why are they happy with this? You know, why did people that I see come into clinic 
that it had strokes, that maybe didn't have an arm that moved very well or a leg that they couldn't walk on very well. Why were they happy? They loved their life. They loved each other. They prayed for each other. They gave each other support. You know, they shared resources in the community. They didn't, they were mindful of other people. They brought us gifts. They brought us fruit. They brought us, um, you know, a lot of them had their own farms and, you know, their own food and they made their homemade things and they would bring them to us in gratitude that we were there. Whether or not we even helped them, it didn't matter. People didn't leave upset or wondering if we didn't give them a prescription or give them a free medication that we weren't helping them. If we suggested that they do something, they thanked us for it. It was a whole different way of looking at things. So, and when some- I, Yeah, I was there for three months. And when I got back, I thought differently about, was I really the healer? Or were these people that I was taking care of, perhaps they were healing themselves and I was just giving them some guidelines. Then I had an opportunity to go to another area of the world to do a medical mission a couple years later. And there we had uh, some, it was near a monastery. And one of the monks came in one day to the, to the clinic that we had and collapsed. He had a heart attack. Well, the hospital was something like 60 kilometers away and we had to drive him. And I was assigned to be with him because I had a cardiology background. And he knew I thought he wasn't going to live because he told me that. He said, you don't have any faith. He said, you think I'm going to die. You think I have a damaged heart. He said, I'm going to survive this. And I thought, no way, because when we get you to the hospital, they're not going to be able to do much. There's not many resources. Got to the hospital. Of course, they said they couldn't do much. They told him he could go back to the monastery. He asked me to spend the night with him. He said, I think you need to learn about miracles and about faith. He said, you're very judgmental about health things. And he said, I know it's just the way you're trained. He said, you kind of think you have all the answers to everything. And you kind of think I'm deluding myself by having faith and you don't expect me to be alive in the morning. He said, but I'm going to be. Well, I spent the night and I have to say, I wasn't sure whether he was going to be alive because his vital signs and all seemed to stabilize. I mean, he certainly wasn't ready to go out and play basketball, but he didn't seem to be getting worse in the morning. When he woke up, he said, good morning. This is going to be a wonderful day. Okay. He said, you're surprised that I'm still here, aren't you? So, well, I can't really say I'm surprised. And I kind of said, well, you know, your heart had some damage. And he said, don't even talk like that. He said, this is just a challenge that I'm facing, a bump in the road. He said, I am going into my heart and I am repairing the damage myself through my faith, through my thoughts, and through my perceptions. He said, in a few months, 
he said, I'll be ready back to my old self. Okay. So about a year later, I had the opportunity to go back there. I'll be darned. He was helping out and working in the clinic. That's what he was doing. He had made a full recovery. And he said, I knew you would be back. He said, if for no other reason, because you were curious to see if I were still alive. I love that. Different model than the whole take an aspirin every single day and not uh, not give any gratitude for anything model like what we have in the U United States. I can see. And I tell you, I got back to the States and I said, I cannot practice this way anymore because I saw somebody heal themselves. I saw a miracle in my wildest imagination. I never dreamed that, that was going to happen. If you if somebody would have said to me, you're going to go there and this is going to happen. I would have laughed. To me, it was science fiction. Like, how do you heal yourself? How does this happen? And yet, I continued to practice. I practiced for many, many years with one foot in traditional medicine and one foot out. I was very fortunate because in 2008, I got to practice with a cardiologist that was uh, from India. And he was brought up with yoga, with meditation, and he understood holistic modalities. I can't say he practiced them because he did traditional cardiology, but he allowed me to bring that to the patients if they were interested, to bring things like meditation, gratitude, forgiveness, changing your attitude, changing your thoughts, setting intentions, not goals, but intentions. Did people listen to me? I had a handful that were really interested that, you know, I wasn't, I would never ask them to give up their medications, but I could tell you some people lowered their blood pressure medication. They didn't need as much, um, perhaps doing yoga. They didn't need thyroid medication because yoga, uh, certain positions that I taught them do affect the thyroid gland, it gets it to be stimulated. So yes, I didn't solve all their cardiology problems and some of them had numerous, but for the ones that were interested, it gave them a little bit different take on their life and put them more in charge of what they could be doing. I had others that went, you know, I Just don't give me talk the drugs. Me Just give me the yeah, drugs. I can't do this. <laughs> Or, okay, you could teach me meditation, but you're still going to give me my Xanax, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> that kind of thing. in 2020, my patients, and I think the entire world realized that healthcare providers did not have the answers. You think? That, that people were in charge of their own health and well-being. We were open throughout all of that because our patients needed us. I had more people come to me and say, remember five years ago when you talked about meditation and you talked to me about gratitude? Could you tell me more about, you know, how if I if I look at my heart and I connect to my heart and I'm grateful that it'll boost my immunity because now I need my immunity boosted because I don't want to catch this virus. Yeah. Yep. Did captive audience. Is that and how the book, book is that how the book was uh, started? Yeah. Yeah. 
because one of my patients said to me, you have so much information, you should write a book because the world needs what you're saying to me and just to the patients in this practice. The whole world could benefit from this. And she was one of my greatest advocates. I mean, you know, uh, she was in Toastmasters and used to give speeches about holistic things. And she's really a great advocate, really a great advocate and did a lot to really help herself and really was one of the few patients I had that had cardiac issues, but didn't take any medications. <gasps> what a brave person, right? Instead, she worked on her own stuff. I love that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that. Tell me a little bit about how you created. So the book has some lessons in it, I'm assuming, and, and how to create a more heart-shaped, or I'm sorry, heartfelt approach. How would you bring that idea to the idea of an entrepreneur with their business? What, how would that translate into business? Okay. It's something I'm working on right now. And um, it, it's something that I've sat about and thought about. Like, you know, how do I bring this information? Because there's a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, do I do health consults with people that are from the holistic perspective? Do I teach them meditation, yoga? Do I work with them on changing their thoughts, their perceptions? Do I work with them on things like gratitude, uh, intentional breathing, which is really, you know, when you breathe, again, it connects you to your vagus nerve and the heart secretes uh, a substance that's like a hormone. And this substance actually uh, smooths out the line, the, the heart, so that a lot of times if you're getting uh, what they call palpitations, your heart skipping a beat, not because there's something structurally wrong with your heart or electrically, but from anxiety, you could actually work with this and it actually minimizes it. So that was one of the things I thought about was how do I bring this to the, to the general population or how do I find this niche? And I started taking this course and it, it's a master class. It's kind of like a mastermind and um, it's called the spirit of business. And what this person tells you is to sit down and talk to your spirit, you know, talk to your inner being, talk to your soul and say, why am I being called to do this? And once you could answer the question of why you're being called you could then build a foundation for business because some people have a certain niche. You know, say you sell a certain product or you do a certain thing. But if you have a more broad concept, find out from your own inner being, what are you really called to help people? How are you being called to help people? And then jot down the different things that you could do and make a list and then write next to that list, what will people receive from that? And then there's also the other piece of that is people have to believe in you. And it's not what you say or how you say it. It's how people feel about you, how they resonate with what you say. You know, do they, you know, do they have that connection with you? Can you connect to them 
on that level. And I think that's a huge part of business. I do some videos on Facebook. Uh, I'm starting with a YouTube channel. I've had it, but I haven't done anything with it in quite a few years. And I'm looking to see, engage, what do people want? You know, do they like when I talk about the heart in this way? Is it something that people are interested in? You know, do they want to know more about this? And it's, I have to say that, you know, the comments that I get is that people seem to like that approach. Some of them find it very different, but they're open. You know, they're open to that approach. So I'm just now in the process of kind of putting things out there and looking at it from all aspects and then seeing where it goes from there. And kind of bridging out of, I still have my hand in traditional practice, but I have to say it's harder and harder for me all the time because I don't believe in what I have to tell people in a traditional practice. Sure, medication is going to help them. Things are going to help them. But I'm really just dealing with the symptoms. I'm not really helping them to the root of their problem. And I'm not asked to do that. You know, when somebody comes in a, in, you know, a traditional practice that I'm with now, they, you know, they just want, this is what has to be done. This is the protocol we follow. And then let the patient come out of the room and be ready for the next patient. So it, it's very, it's kind of like what I almost call cookbook medicine. Treat everybody the same way. You use all the same things. You get the same result. I'm not saying it's not good. What I'm saying is that I like an individual approach to people. And, you know, how could I help them from their heart perspective? Are they interested in going more into their soul, into really a deeper meaning of who they are and their life? Or, you know, are they looking for something to relieve anxiety? You know, are they having a problem with stress and anxiety? And perhaps they're looking for more relief from that, which again, you could get by connecting to your heart. So there's many avenues to this connecting to your heart. And I'm in the process of really trying to say, do I get one niche or do I keep it general? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because my, you know, my aunt's a doctor. So I've heard plenty of times the frustration of, you know, getting 10 minutes with a patient, trying to explain to them, you know, I wish she would talk about diabetes was one of her frustrating things was, you know, try to explain it. You have to change your diet, right? <laughs> but it, it's interesting because I can see what you're talking about being really valuable, but then, you know, Cigna's not going to pay for that, right? <laughs> so right. most people's health insurance isn't going to cover that. So we're talking about paying out of pocket for the advice of a professional and who has to have an office, who has to have medical malpractice insurance and all of those kinds of things. How can you, is you know, I, I can see where a book is really helpful because you can you write that once and, and people buy it once and it's not $300 an hour or $400 an hour, whatever you'd have to charge. Is there a way you can work with patients in, you know, directly? Do you work via Zoom? Is there a way where you can do some of each? Sure. I can do that because I have credentials. 
I am a nurse practitioner. I have a master's degree. I have medical and nursing training. I could do consults from a holistic perspective that don't deal with patients' medications, that don't really deal with their medical issues per se, but I could certainly work with them because if you're stressed out, you're not doing your body or your illness any good because you're just adding another layer that doesn't help you achieve wellness. You're sabotaging more the healthcare that you're receiving because a body under stress becomes out of balance. So whether you're getting even imbalance with diabetes, whether you're getting imbalance with traditional medicine, with medications, however you're getting imbalance, if you're stressed, anxious, worried, or have negative thoughts, you're putting your body out of balance. You're making it work harder to try to achieve balance. And in the end, you're not doing your, your diabetes, your heart, your liver, anything any good because the body knows how to function. You know, the body knows what to do. It's like your car. You start your car, the car knows where the oil's supposed to go, um, where the, you know, it knows all these things. It doesn't have to be told. And a car that has good maintenance and is running optimally, regardless of the kind of gas or, you know, anything extra you put in that car is functioning optimally. So it's the same thing with us. It doesn't matter if you're totally traditional medicine. If you're taking 25 medications and 30 supplements on top of that, which I think is a bit much, but again, you know, that's a personal preference for people. What I could do is work with them to stay in balance so that the things they're doing for themselves on the outside have the effect of balance on the inside. And I always... Let's go back yeah. to that car analogy because I love that one. Uh, it's a great way of looking at it. I'm, I'm I'm staring at a disabled Volkswagen for need of brakes right now. Uh, a very expensive brakes right now, just to let you guys know. <laughs> but back to the car soft. I was just thinking when you were talking about the car and when it was working perfectly, it knows where everything is. Now you insert some bad software programming into this computer of the car and where it gets confused, gets stressed. I'm just like thinking about that as a person, right? We get all upset and in our head and we think the brakes are broken when they're not, they actually are not going to get out of that into that with the car, but (laughs) then I can see how the whole car, the whole mechanism will start to break down and, and not work optimally. And when you're describing it in those terms, as a human body, we think about the brain working in the same way as that car computer. I, I can see where you're you're getting at here. And I think I think there's something very valuable to be said on that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, everything too is energy. If you look at the body on the crudest level, it's vibration, it's energy, and it's electricity. I mean, the cells, there's constant exchange between positive and negative ions of different substances. The heart's an electrical device. I mean, you know, if you want to treat it that way, the heart's an electrical device. If you really look at it so crudely, it's got its own electrical system. It starts at the top and goes down to the bottom. You know, you look at pumping blood. Blood is like, you know, a system where the blood just goes every place. You know, the blood goes 
where it's supposed to go in the body. It's interesting, interesting way of looking at it. So we don't have a ton of time left, but if you can give us some idea of what do you think could really help people, tools that they could use, what would you tell somebody to do? You know, client calls up, and I'm just stressed. I don't know what to do. What would you recommend they get started with? I know you mentioned yoga, you mentioned uh, other things. Talk about what you think is most important. Yeah, I think what's what's really most important and the easiest thing to do is start by breathing. Start by paying attention to your breath, taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. It automatically turns off the stress hormones. So that's a great place to start. Another place to start is to even every morning, put your hand on your heart and be grateful that your heart is beating, that you have another day to accomplish the things that you want to. Be grateful for life. Look around you with gratitude. You know, take a walk in nature. Sit quietly with yourself. All these things start changing your perception of things. Maybe you always look at things from the worst that could happen. Well, pick a day. What's the best that could happen out of that day? Pick a scenario and what's the best that could happen. Start changing your inner landscape. And as you change your inner landscape, everything else falls into place. So that's that's what I would say. It, you know, there's training where you could teach people meditation. You could teach them different ways of breathing. You could help them change their thought processes. But a good way to start is start to pay attention to yourself. Start to pay attention and be grateful to your heart. You know, kind of look to your heart that it's something that could help you every day. And there's so much gratitude for it being able to pump blood throughout the body. And to start looking at your life from a more grateful perspective. That's where I would start. And if I can jump in and throw in, uh, just because I watch a lot of TV, I'm going to say, stop watching the news, guys. <laughs> stop watching the news. <laughs> somebody will tell you if the world comes to an end. Somebody will let you know, one of your clients or, or something, but watching the news all the time, ugh, particularly the economic stuff, can be very difficult. So any final bits of advice before we close? I think that was a great place to close with, but any, any last little thing that you would want to share? And then we're going to get into how people can find you and how they can connect with you. Okay. Uh, you know, again, I would just say, start looking at yourself, start looking to yourself for the answers, start listening to yourself, paying attention to what your body's trying to tell you. And just gain, by doing that, you gain more control, not only over your health, but over your life. Well, that's very different than the way we grew up. I, I, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up the same way I did, but the whole doctor knows best, right? Listen to the doctor, do everything the doctor says. And then you're giving kind of the opposite advice. Fig, learn for yourself, get in touch with yourself, get in touch with your body and your breathing and start with you. That's, yes. I kind of sum it up. So Teresa. How can people find you? Well, I do have a website. Love that. Wellbeinggal, W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G-G-A-L.com. I think if you also put in TeresaAnnPalmer.com, it comes up on that website. Uh, you got you that could... domain? Good for you. Yeah, you could also... 
find me on Instagram. It's at well underscore being underscore gal. I am on Facebook. I haven't done uh, I haven't done much with my page Wellbeing by Teresa, but again, you could look me up generally as Teresa Palmer. Uh, and I'm doing more with my YouTube, which is Create Your Space of Wellbeing, and I do have some videos on there that people could watch. And again, that's at Teresa Ann Palmer, A N N E and P A L M E R all one word. So, so all of those, we, all of those links will be in the description as well as the link to her book. The reason I'm, I'm bringing up the book thing is because I, when I was trying to find it, I couldn't. And I'm like, Oh, this is not good <laughs> for somebody trying to sell books. <laughs> but maybe it was just on my computer. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, all of that information will be in the description. Yeah. You, you could, find it, you could find it on balboapress.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is on Amazon. I'm going to yes. put the link though, because I want everybody to be able to find it uh, yeah. on, because that's, probably where most people buy books, but I would, I would have been so frustrated myself as an author to see my own name and some other famous person have the same name. I could see that frustration there. Maybe that's just me. Okay. So I'm glad we covered that. Uh, In case you didn't write any of those things down, just know that it's in the description. Just roll, scroll down your computer and it's in there of all of those places that you can find Teresa. So thank you so much for playing with us today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to have you. you on. I'm excited to see what your next projects are. I'm sure you'll, I'll have you on again later and we'll talk about those. And everybody, I hope you got something out of this. I firmly believe this is the age of the entrepreneur and I want you guys to get out there and make it happen, create a new business that makes you excited and brings you joy and is fun. But most importantly, I really want you to just find your own joy and find your soul in what you're doing. And I hope this information was helpful. So bye guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for playing. Bye.